comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. We made the Kessel run in less than 11 parsecs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Half Hour Wasted, episode 515. This is Brad. This is your friend Frank. I miss uh, I miss Frank uh, telling funny stories that most viewers don't hear all of. That was volume one of Half Hour Wasted. This is volume yeah. two. That was yeah, volume Brad, Brad and I did a, a handshake deal, and I handed it off to him. Okay, well, welcome, everybody, to episode 15, volume two of Half Hour Wasted. Uh, we're happy to have you with us. But, uh, 67 degrees outside. Uh, Did y'all recover from the uh, Snowmageddon 2021 oh, that uh, Texas experienced? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you my backstory. For those uh, that don't know, Texas was hit hard for a storm it was not prepared for. And if you don't know anything about what we're talking about, Google it. Yeah. Uh, when, when was this around the, February 8th, I think? Yeah. And the entire state, which has never happened before the entire state, even the southernmost tip was under freezing and that has yeah. never happened before. Um, I got super lucky in my neighborhood, no rolling blackouts. Um, we, I always had water, no, no pipe breakages. I can't speak for my condominium though. Um, they went easily. They had rolling blackouts. They had uh, they had to shut off all the water to the block. The city did not just my condominium, but that whole block because pipes were busting left and right. And they easily went three or four days without water until it was resolved. Um, so a lot of insurance claims are going on with that. But personally, NASA and I we were blessed. We we came out of it just fine, and I feel for anyone else who had issues. I also got very lucky and didn't have any power loss or water. I consider myself extremely lucky. Just up the road, my ex and her uh, and Allison, you know, they lost power most of the time. It would come back on every once in a while, but they had a gas fireplace that could keep warm. My parents were out for a while but he's got the biggest awesomest fireplace you've ever seen this 40 year old house that they live in still that they built and he's got a side yard full of firewood so I mean, you know my dad's an outdoorsman so he was prepared but uh, i know one of our very good friends shelby was out of power and heat and water for a very long time down in austin um there are plenty of people around here that suffered 
all over the state that suffered. I got very lucky. I think Bill was pretty lucky too, right, Bill? Yeah, I was pretty lucky. Um, yeah, we uh, we made it through unscathed up here. We uh, uh, talking to a, a, a neighbor who's been in the neighborhood since I think it was built back in the eighties. Uh, she said the the joke was that they never uh, they never lost power because uh, this is where all the city council people used to live. But uh, uh, she said, um, and I've more than one person speculated this. I, I think it's kind of common knowledge nowadays that. Um, if you were fortunate enough to just kind of live next to a fire station, a hospital, uh, something like that, then you're probably going to get your power. Um, you're probably not going to be subject to the rolling blackout. Um, and we weren't, uh, there's a, uh, there's a friggin' rack of hospitals just South of us. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Than walking distance. Uh, there, there's hospitals about four or five hospitals within say a mile and a half of uh, this place. So yeah. I must, yeah. I must live near a um, fire station or something that I'm unaware of. Cause I never lost power. Yeah. So it I was wouldn't... weird. It, it did seem, uh, it seemed capricious and uh, unfair uh, how that yeah. was handled. Yeah. I sat there like you guys and, and listened to the reports of people who, uh, uh, who were dealing with it. Um, I, I have, uh, I have friends from, you know, from Norman to Austin, like you said, who uh, uh, who dealt with at least some kind of uh, some kind of power losses and stuff like that. Uh, like you, um, gas, you know, I've got uh, gas, heat, fireplace, um, you know, stove, stuff like that. So um, we had uh, we had a, a handful of candles and uh, fresh batteries and the, and the flashlights and. We were prepared, you know, to lose it kind of at any point, but um, yeah, luckily we never did. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 it's it's interesting to me that the the national news decided to focus on this being a Texas thing, and um, I I don't know why the. Uh, well, it, uh, you know, our our energy grid is independent from the others, so uh, uh, the, we were really affected. Um, the the state well, of Texas. It was like the entire, it was like, it was like a third of the country. It wasn't just Texas. I mean, it was happening in Oklahoma, New Mexico and Louisiana. And, and, you know, it was, it was happening all over the nation. Texas was not the only one affected by it. Uh, maybe, uh, Texas's ability to deliver power to a percentage of their homes was lower. You know, that, those are stats. I don't know. Well, I, I think, I think that was it, Bill. That's part of it. And I think part of it also was that Texas usually never, ever has to deal with something like this. Whereas well, the, a lot of the countries the, used to it. Well, and so the issue is that, um, and a lot of people are saying, well, the, the, uh, the, the wind turbine stopped, you know, the windmill stopped, uh, rotating because they're too cold. And um, uh, as we, you might or might not know, one of the biggest wind farms on the planet is in Antarctica. So, you know, the ability for a wind turbine to operate in the cold, that's not the issue. The issue is that uh, Texas, um, when we built these things, we built them for warm weather, not for cold weather. And if we had built them with the kind of insulations and heating, you know, you know heating systems and whatnot, then it would make them hotter and more likely to fail when it's 107 outside, which is far more likely to be in Texas. So yeah, you know, it was a, a it, it's a, really an engineering issue, right? It's yeah, just like, like, here's the mean, here's the mean temperature in Texas. We're probably never going to have to worry about, about right. a storm an, like this. So an, under, I, I hate to sound like a, you know, 
I don't work for the state of Texas. I'm not trying to shill for, you know, I'm not a Texan, okay? I come from Oklahoma. So I'm not trying to just shill for the state of Texas, you know. Um, uh, I just I, I just found it, you know, I was like, well, kind of, you know, like, well, uh, quit piling on Texas. It's happening everywhere, you know. Um, it is absolutely a fact that uh, Texas is unique and that uh, Texas uh, does have its own power grid, except for some very tiny little slivers up in uh, up in the panhandle. And like the very eastern edge of Texas, um, uh, you've got the western grid in the United States, the eastern grid, and then the Texas grid. And now the Texas grid does have, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> we could go on and on and on about this. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, uh, uh, the last time we recorded, the Super Bowl was still going on, or, or it was about to happen. We do have the results of that superb owl challenge. Do you got you guys ready for the results? Yeah. Now you know I'm so bitter. <laughs> okay, let me bring up my notes. Uh, do, we do, were do, all. Do, do. You gave us a list of all the questions and answers, and I think and, at one point we all were the only one that got an answer right at, at one on, on one of the questions. I think. So the first question: Who will win? Brad had Tampa Bay. Bill and Frank, Kansas City. Brad, one point. Who will be the halftime winner? Tampa Bay or Kansas City? All of us had Tampa Bay. First scoring play of the game? A touchdown? A a run TD? A pass TD? A field goal? Or something else? Uh, I was the only one who got it with the field goal. Brad and Bill had passes. Uh, The last scoring play of the game? Touchdown? Uh, running touchdown, pass touchdown, field goal, or something else. Uh, Bill and Frank both got one point. Brad said a pass. And the tiebreaker for it was uh, what would be the closest to the score, combined score, without going over. I had 35. I won. Uh, Bill had 46, and Brad had 52. Mm-hmm. Total for everything, when you total all those together, uh, I had three points and you guys had one point. So I'm the superb owl champion uh, for the year 2021. Here's well, the next year. No, let's. You're, you have. Very nice. Congratulations. You're I deserve it. Clapping. All right. So we're here to talk about. It's a lesson learned. Chapters 15 and 16. Of the Mandalorian, episodes seven and eight of season two of the Mandalorian. Let's jump right in. Uh, Chapter fifteen, the Believer. Texas Power Grid. Yes, we are. Okay, just making sure. Yes. (laughs) All right. Written and directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Cara Dune uses her new credentials as a marshal of the New Republic to transfer Mayfeld an ex-imperial from prison to her custody. He agrees to help locate Moff Gideon's cruiser, but needs access to an internal terminal. He suggests a secret imperial mining hub on Morak. There, Mayfeld and the Mandalorian hijack a transport carrying the explosive mineral Rhydonium, and they manage to reach the mining facility despite attacks from local pirates. They get Gideon's coordinates from the terminal, but the Mandalorian is forced to remove his helmet in front of others for the first time since he took his Mandalorian oath. 
The pair are confronted by Mayfeld's old Imperial commanding officer, whom Mayfeld kills when he gloats about atrocities committed by the Empire in Operation Cinder. Mayfeld and the Mandalorian escape with the help of Fennec, Dune, and Fett. Dune decides to let Mayfeld go. The Mandalorian sends Gideon a transmission warning that he is coming for Grogu, paraphrasing a similar speech that Gideon had previously given. It was almost verbatim, which was really, really cool. Yeah, it, it, it's that nice, dramatic uh, kind of uh, turnabout is fair play yeah. situation. Yeah, it was that was pretty nice. I mean, he at least, you know, you have something I want. You know, <laughs> he said that to Mandalorian last you know season that was great did so this was a great episode but to me it feels like it was world building the fact that the mandalorian is good at hand-to-hand combat because that's going to play a role in the next episode but this is like the first time we see him without his his armor on and he has to fight without it. It felt like to me, that was the most important part of this story <laughs> I, because they really showcase that in the middle of it. Cause prior to this, we've always seen him kind of, kind of fighting with, with, um, you know, with his gun and, and with his grappling hook and with uh, his fire, um, uh, his, uh, flamethrower. But, uh, this one, it seems like it felt like the, it just wanted to showcase that he could he could fight with the staff and and when it comes to that big sword fight in the next episode, um, he'll be able to to handle it. So that was the purpose of this episode was just to show that he could fight without his stuff. Is that what you got in from my this? mind? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I well, love shedding a lot of uh, stormtrooper extras off the uh, off the cast rolls too. Uh, they. they- <laughs> I love the fact that they brought Bill Burr's character back. I think it's great. Yes. I love his character. You know, he, I was listening to him talk to, uh, I listened to a lot of podcasts and for some reason I started listening to Rob Lowe's podcast every once in a while. It's called literally with Rob Lowe because <laughs> his characters, that's how his character pronounced that word in parks and rec, but he had Bill Burr on, on his latest episode. And they talked a little bit about, <clears throat> his time on the Mandalorian. He said he got a lot of grief people on social media saying, why is he, why is that guy talk with a Boston accent in the star Wars universe? And his <laughs> response was, you have a problem with that, but you don't have a problem with the fact that everybody speaks English in the star Wars universe. <laughs> so anyway, right. I mean, why not? You know, I, I think he's great. I loved his character. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it came back. And especially, just the little snide comments he makes, like when he and Mandalorian are, had just donned the new, the stormtrooper armor. He's like, "Ugh, this guy reeked. <laughs> Gloves are still wet." <laughs> then he looks at Cara Dune. He goes, "You know, it's too bad you can't go with us. You have such a sunny disposition." <laughs> I just think he's being himself, and it just worked. I liked it. He's fun. Uh, it, it was a refreshing take on a character. I, I mean, have we ever had anyone that is? Funny and annoying. Like C three PO is annoying, but uh, but Mayfield he is uh, he's kind of funny and sarcastic and just um, 
you know, I, I got him too. He felt like, like someone I, I maybe have known in my life at some point, you know, yeah. the way he, he commented on stuff. He, he felt genuine. Oh, well, he was a, a nice uh, standard for the audience and, and it worked well. I've, I've always enjoyed Bill Burr's brand of, uh, kind of not, you know, his, his kind of outrage comedy, you know, where he's just, yeah. he's annoyed at things that, that, that always, uh, it always cracks me up when done well. Burr is certainly one of the, uh, foremost practitioners of the arts these days of that yeah. now he's just one of those guys that i think if he was reading a phone book to me i would probably <laughs> to myself and shortle every now and again he'd read a uh, name and then he'd go that guy sounds like a blah 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 or whatever it's so funny it was such a it was such a, a, a silly a silly dumb uh criticism that you know he's got a boston accent okay so explain the explain the Asian accent, explain the British accent, explain yeah. what is it? What yeah. is, why is this even a thing? You yeah. know, just, why does everybody in the Empire sound like they're from Britain? Right. I mean, ex- except for except for his old commanding officer, which had kind of a Texas. Well, he, yeah, he had the Southern Mississippi. Let's get a drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think the internet, on balance, is a thumbs down because. People don't need a, a forum to express themselves if that's what they're going to spend their energy and time expressing. Uh, yep. it, it wasn't, you know, it's uh, very classically the uh, we're we're all dumber now for having heard that uh, kind of statement. There was uh, a uh, um, there was a quote from one of the um, Simpsons writers who, uh, when the internet just started to to blossom. And, you know, this show's been going on for 30 years, so it really, it's been there from the early days of the internet to where it is now. And they were excited because it's like, wow, this is an opportunity for us to really hear from the fans and hear what they have to say. This is exciting. And I think that's how it started. And then slowly it just became a complaint fest. And just every episode was the worst episode of The Simpsons ever made. And so he had to just leave because it was just like, it was not constructive anymore. Right. This episode answers one of the questions I've had ever since episode two. How does Slave One work inside? Is everybody just on their back until it takes off? And then we get this cool shot of Bill, uh, of uh, Mayfeld and Fennec and the Mandalorian. They're inside. They're sitting in these chairs. And as Boba Fett's ship takes off, it the outer part of it rotates around them while they remain still. It's like got a gyroscope in there. So yeah. they're still, and then here comes this window into frame. It's so cool. that it is, I still don't, I mentally still cannot figure out how that works. I know it works. Yeah. I can't visually see it. Yeah. <laughs> I think right? in the future, everything's going to be magnets. So gotcha. I think there you go. Magnets. Well, the, uh, the, the the greatest show on TV right now, The Expanse. Uh, they've got a ship called the Razorback, which is a two seater, and I love the way they express that as well because it's kind of the same thing. You've got the uh, Brad. You've seen The Expanse, yes? No, I haven't. Uh, Frank, you have. I read the first book, uh, okay. and I know and I know enough about The Expanse to know that it's fantastic. Okay, well, people watching TV will will be people who watch on TV will nod in, in quite agreement with me as I describe. The Razorback is a so-called uh, sports ship, or it's uh, it's like a, it's like the cigarette boat, you know, of uh, spaceships. It's it's meant for fun, you know, basically. It's it's meant for speed and, and maneuverability and all that. 
And so it's, it's a two-seater. The two people uh, sit about 10 feet apart from each other, one behind uh, the other. But their seats are on these uh, central stalks. And the seats uh, are, able to, uh, are able to pivot and move in pretty much any direction to compensate or complement the moves that the ship itself is doing. Um, so it's really cool. Um, of course, the expanse is, is kind of a, hey, this is technology you might actually see in the next you know, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, whatever. You know? And Star Wars is Star Wars. So you know, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges. But, uh, but I, love, I love the way they, they solve that issue of just having it be like a, almost an attached pod inside the Slave One ship. And just being able to, you know, like you said, gyroscope itself to, to level no matter what the ship's disposition is. It's really cool. Cool. And you can edit out, edit out the law. <laughs> I started talking and realized my microphone was muted. <laughs> so they, they happen. The in the uh, radio business, by the way, kids. Called what? It's called a layout. Oh, I've never heard that term. Oh boy! Something else we get in this episode is a uh, Boba Fett's armor has got a new paint job. It looks nice and sharp. It is shiny. I I, I think it's matte. Is it matte or is yeah. it shiny? No, it's matte. Yeah, it's definitely matte. Even though it's brand new, I'm looking at a shot right here. I mean, there's still parts where the paint's missing, but the whole thing is <clears throat> it's repainted. You can tell and. But it's not, perfect, bad, it's not a perfect. It's not a perfect job. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's got a nice new wax job. Yeah. I never, yeah. Yeah. We, we do get uh, one very kind of a uh, uh, pivoting, you know, pivotal moment, I guess, in the series. As for the first time, you know, they've been giving Mandalorian uh, opportunities, if you want to phrase it that way, to remove his helmet for two seasons now. And of course, you know, he's got the he's got the creed, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, the way that Mandalorians never, ever, ever show their face, you know, in public ever. Uh, and then he finds Bo-Katan and her group and he realizes that, hang on a second, um, I'm in a religious minority or something. That's not the way all Mandalorians think. And he has that crisis of confidence uh, is too strong a term, but uh, he has to all of a sudden start questioning things uh, about what he knows about Mandalorian way. And then in this episode, you finally get to see the uh, the big reveal. I guess we we saw him once uh, at the end of season uh, season one, but um, yeah, when uh, the droid had to take his helmet off to save his life. But he takes uh, the helmet off uh, in public, uh, if you will, uh, for the first time ever, um, to the point where somebody you know could actually see what he looks like. And uh, uh, yeah, I thought that was a, a pretty amazing moment. I had a. I had a real small problem with that moment, but I mean, just with that, just a nitpick. Well, as soon as he scanned his face, and the the computer said, "All right, cool, we're we're gonna work." He should have just put the helmet right back on. Instead, right. he just left it off. I don't know. Does it have to? Uh, uh, can we can we help uh, them explain it? Uh, do we say something? Uh, do we go? complete nerd boy and say, well, you know, the, the system had to maintain, you know, it's eye contact with him. <laughs> Maybe so. still, you know, cause otherwise you could just like hold, you know, somebody's eyeball up to it and it'll go, okay, you're in. And then it's probably, you know, be nefarious and all that. So yeah. probably more uh, of, go ahead. 
I'm sure there's 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 some kind of uh, realistic uh, fanboy rationale we can create for that. He so. just wasn't thinking, you know. Yeah, I agree. He was definitely under a uh, a lot of stress in that situation because he had a, there was a lot going on, yeah. uh, but not action wise, just set wise. You know, people being in certain places. He had a timetable. Uh, things like that. We had Mayfield to give. also had that great line <clears throat> later yep. on where he goes, um, uh, "I never saw your face." Right. Or something. We like had that. to give him a had to give Mayfeld a chance to to have his character grow a bit and go. I never saw your face. Yeah. You know, I like the conversation that Mayfeld and the Mandalorian have when they're in the tanker that's transporting the Rhydonium to the base, and he goes, "Look at you and me. We're alike. You know." You know, I'm just saying that we do what we have to survive. Like, your rules change. Like, is it that you can't take your helmet off or that you can't show your face because there's a difference? So which is it, you know? We all will do what we have to survive if we have to bend the rules, you know, to survive. He goes, we're more alike than you want to admit. I like that conversation. There's that episode in one of the Avenger movies where uh, the gang is talking about Thor's hammer to Thor, and they go, so if I can't pick it up because I'm not worthy, but you put it on an elevator, yeah. is the elevator worthy? Was that Ultron? Was that Age <laughs> of Ultron? The question, uh, was that Age of Ultron? I think. Yeah. I think. But it, it's, a, it's a funny line, <laughs> and it's the semantics of, of yeah. just what Mayfield was saying. It's like, so is it the mask or is it your face? You know? Well, I've I've told. I mean, this is a tangent. Tangent alert. I I've mentioned this in the past, but there was a great comic where the Thor was fighting Hulk, and Hulk tried to pick up the hammer and he couldn't. But as soon as Thor grabbed it, Thor grabbed or the Hulk grabbed Thor's fist that was holding the hammer and proceeded to beat the crap out of Thor with his <laughs> own hammer because he wasn't holding the hammer; he was holding Thor's fist, which was holding the nice. hammer. No, that's that's awesome. That's that's very stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody's ever been through that. <clears throat> you know, and then we get that scene where uh like you said, Frank, uh Din Jaren is he's on top of the transport fighting those pirates that are coming to blow it up. You know, he's dealing he's dealing with the best he can. He doesn't have you know, his weapons and, and all that stuff. So he handles it. He's a fighter. He's, you know, he's got the, right he's before, got the chops. Right, yeah. Right before the Imperials come into the rescue, I seem to remember he, he doesn't have any more weapons. So he just kind of stands on the transport and holds up his fist. Yeah. Like he's like, that's all he has left yeah. <laughs> to fight with. And then there's <laughs> even one when he thinks he's, he's, uh, through the danger and there's an explosion through the explosion comes like, five more of those sleds and he just kind of goes uh, you can hear him uh, go oh boy and then the tie fighters come in and save the day yay um i i, I think uh something that uh many star wars i wonder how many star wars uh fans understand that uh that whole that whole scene through the canyon with the you know with the ship that's about to blow up, uh, how much that is, is just a, a very direct homage. I, I'm sure people out there are starting to realize that a lot of things that happen in the Mandalorian are homage. Um, but this one, uh, this whole run, uh, 
directly ties back to a, a 1953 classic uh, called The Wages of Fear. And in it, um, you have a very similar uh, story. Uh, you have uh, desperate people transporting nitro, <laughs> transporting nitroglycerin in the back of a you know covered wagon, uh, basically through uh, South American mountains. Uh, uh, Remade in 1977 as a movie called Sorcerer, uh, by the way. But uh, uh, I, I love the fact that that Favreau and Filoni and, and uh, um, Rick uh, Fuki, Fukuyama. Famuyiwa, uh, I think. Famuyiwa, thank you. I'm sorry about that, Mr. Famuyiwa. Um, <clears throat> uh, I like the fact that when they, they do these, these kind of tropey things, um, they do them so well and they're so fun. Um, but uh, I think that uh, people out there might be interested in going back and uh, checking it out. Um, now, I don't know where the heck you could uh, where you could see it, though. Uh, what was the name of the first movie, Bill? The Just Watch app, uh, but I don't have it available right the second. It's called uh, The Wages of Fear, a uh, 1953 movie by Henri-Georges Clouseau. So the great thing about that movie, uh, yes. like you said, Bill, great movie. The two main characters in that movie, Mario and Luigi. Seriously? Seriously. That's funny. Wow. Of course, you know, that, that was done in, in the late in the late fifties, so there there's no uh there's no connection to the video game. It's just a coincidence. Like um oh. uh, I think it's a it's in a wonderful life. There's two characters named Bert and Ernie. Uh so it's just one of those wonderful little uh coincidences, you know? This has got to be this had to have stuck in the head of the writer, at least subconsciously. <laughs> no way that's a coincidence. That's hilarious. Uh, maybe it's like, uh, you know, every now and again you get the, uh, uh, the musician who's like, hey, you know, uh, you, you, stole my, you stole my riff, you know, for your song thir- 15 years later. And it's like, well, you know, you may have just heard the song like at the mall or something like that. Not even realize you heard it, but. You know, something like that could stick subconsciously, and you may not even be doing it on purpose, but you know, but you are, you know, you are doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's talk about comedians real quick. Where is, where is a just watch? Yeah. Is there a better? I'm sorry to tangent, but is there a better app than Just Watch? I don't even know what Just Watch is. Okay, it's it's an app. Uh, it's at least an Android app. I don't know about. It. I'm sure it's for Apple too, but. You go plug in uh, the name of a, a show or a movie or possibly an actor, and it'll tell you um, uh, it'll tell you what services a particular. Um, yeah, it's called Google. <laughs> well, I'm not going to take that from you, sir. Uh, no, the, the Just Watch app is uh, is really damn useful because it'll tell you, you know, it's streaming on. DirecTV and Fubo or whatever, and it'll tell you that you can rent it for these prices on these services, and you can buy it for the, these prices on these services. It's a really uh, useful app, and I was going to ask if you guys had a better one um, because there, uh, there used to be a website called like Can You Stream It, and you just put the name in, and uh, I don't know if that still exists. Yes, you can. Um, surely, just watch has to be. It has to have some kind of a. Google presence. Oh yes, uh, this is going to be shocking to people out there, but uh, but there is a website. So, uh, yeah, wages. So, Brad, you were uh, while Bill looks that up. You were you wanted to talk about comedians. Let's talk Dude, about comedians. 
Max right now. Say it again. You can watch it on HBO Max right now. Cool. Uh, it's also on the Criterion Channel, uh, and something called Canopy, which I've never heard of. Canopy with the K. And you can rent or buy off Apple or Amazon. There you go. Go watch. So yeah, if you've got HBO Max, man, go watch The Wages of Fear right now. The uh, the cover is awesome. This has got this uh, you know like uh, Korea War era uh, transport vehicle that just has the word explosives written on the front of it. It's pretty awesome. I would have this poster up in my uh, in, in my house or uh, at my office. It's pretty cool. So yeah, just watch.com, everybody comedians a lot of them end up becoming actors right because they get tv shows and whatever and but not all of them can really act and aren't really good actors in my opinion but i think bill burr has turned out to be a really good actor that whole scene where he and din jaren are sitting at the table with his old commanding officer and they're talking about operation cinder and was it worth it? You know, all the guys that died, all the civilians, was it worth it? I thought that was a really well acted scene. Do you think, do you think he has a good range? It feels like he does, but only as like, um, like it feels, feels to me he can only do a wise guy character. Nothing wrong with that, but it, he, he, do you think he has the range to do other stuff? I don't know. I mean, if he can do one thing, he could probably do more. I mean, there are very famous actors who have very successful careers who, in my opinion, are the same character in everything they've ever been in. Right. But they're good at it. And uh, um, Like, the, the first name that comes to my mind is George Clooney. George Clooney always plays pretty much the same guy, but you love him every, every time he plays it. I think Michael Douglas is the same too. There you go. That's another good one. But I think, I mean, I'm bringing it up just to say, I think this comedian turned actor, I think he's really, I think he's got really good acting chops, especially when you can watch on his face, how his loyalties, you know, are almost just changing in front of you as he's listening to this guy talk about, yeah, we're going to steal all this Rhydonium and we're going to create more havoc than, Operation Cinder ever did, and that's when he decides, you know what? I'm just going to shoot you in the face. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate uh, the efforts of Bill Burr. He, uh, he amuses me, and I buy him. Um, yeah. and that's not to say that I, I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to be appearing in a, uh, a, a drama. You know, I, I don't see him signing up for next season of This Is Us or anything. Um, but yeah, there's a, a you know long and proud history of comedians who decide to try to go go straight, as it were. You know, um, some of them have done pretty good. I mean, everybody from, I mean, you've seen uh, 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 Bill Murray's done it, uh, Jim mm-hmm. Carrey's done it, uh, even you know. Adam Sandler did it. Yeah, Adam Sandler's four <laughs> times. And uh, what's the there's the the movie that came out over Christmas were or roughly Christmas where he's like involved in a diamond heist or yeah, diamond it was on Netflix like that. I've, I've heard that, uh, I've heard that it's kind of impressive and he tried that before. I mean, heck even Will Ferrell has yeah. uh, tried kind of a straight man, uh, uh, role. Um, I don't, I don't see that Bill Burr necessarily has the range to go do something other than himself. But, uh, like you said, 
you know, it's it's also pretty easy to understand that you live in a world where maybe Bill Burr doesn't have to do that, and you can just enjoy Bill Burr for being Bill Burr. Uh, I know, I know, I do. Uh, and yeah, he was uh, he was great in this. I just again, I, I love the fact that you know he gets to play the everyman. Yeah. You know, he's the one who's wisecracking, and he's the one who's a little more scared than he's letting on. And uh, you know, he's kind of the the conscience of the crowd. You know, just the you know, there's so few so few situations where you can kind of you know MST three K your way through life or through say a. a you know, a heist and, uh, you know, to, to have someone along for the ride like that, uh, really does hit the, uh, the, the pressure release valve, uh, a lot. Um, uh, yeah, that's why it's so important for, you know, the star Wars, the Marvel movies to, uh, you know, interpose little bits of humor, uh, into what is otherwise a pretty dramatic, uh, tale. I think uh, so. You need that, you need that, that kind of, you know, it's not a roller coaster ride in that you know you're laughing uproariously and then you're scared for your life and you're laughing uproariously, but you just you need something to keep the the mood from from just stagnating. You know, and, you just uh, need a chance to breathe every once in a while, and if breathing exactly. means laughter, then that's what it means. Yeah, and that's why I don't mind uh, I don't mind scary movies, but I'm not a fan of horror movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I guess that uh, that leads me to. Um, you know, we'll talk about Sam Raimi some other time. <laughs> We're over on this episode. The, um, the great thing is that we know he's still alive. They were nice enough to, to let, let his go. character yeah. go. So, uh, yeah. it would be great. You know, it, uh, we hope we see him again. Maybe like, like if the Mandalorian goes, let's say four or five more seasons, it'd be great if he popped up like in a later season, he's still around, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's got a new name now. I've got another job for you. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, in. You son of a gun, I'm in. There's a great moment when they escape the planet. They've got the coordinates from off Gideon's ship. They escape the planet. Boba Fett picks them up. They're flying away, and two TIE fighters come after them. And Boba Fett drops one of them old sonic charges that we got to see in episode two. So great. He destroys them, two TIEs flying after him. I love those sonic charges. They're awesome. Yeah, they are. Um, they were definitely one of the highlights of Attack of the Clones. There, yeah. uh, you know, uh, there, there's so many things wrong with Attack of the Clones, but there, there's also so many things that are freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, that that last reel, the ninth reel of that movie, is so much fun for me. Ninth reel. Uh, that's that's traditionally what's called like the last part of a movie. Yeah. Just I'm, I'm impressed that you that we would know how many reels go into a, a North movie <laughs> because I, I don't think I'd ever I never stopped to ask the question. So. I never heard that phrase. I'm learning a lot today from you guys. Yeah, and of course the episode ends when they send the message to Moff Gideon and he throws his words back at him. Yep, Moff Gideon is extra evil. <laughs> episode evil, evil. Yes. All right, that takes us to episode eight. <gasps> Let me, chapter 16, The Rescue, directed by Peyton Reed, written by John Favreau. The Mandalorian and Dune aboard an Imperial shuttle and capture, capture Dr. Pershing. He's the clone doctor, the clone scientist with the glasses, the tinted glasses. 
They enlist the help of Bo-Katan and Casca Reeves to rescue Grogu. In return, Bo-Katan gets Gideon's cruiser and the Darksaber, and the Mandalorian considers helping them to liberate Mandalore. They use the shuttle to get close enough they use the shuttle to get close enough to crash land on Gideon's cruiser, with Fett pretending to attack them in Slave 1. Bo-Katan, Koska, Fennec, and Dune fight through stormtroopers to the cruiser's bridge. Meanwhile, the Mandalorian finds the dark troopers, barely defeats one of them with the Beskar spear, and ejects the rest into space. He fights Gideon with the spear and overpowers the moth, making him the new rightful owner of the Darksaber. The dark troopers fly back onto the ship, but are all destroyed by... Luke Skywalker, a Jedi that Grogu contacted on Tython. The Mandalorian gives Grogu permission to go with Skywalker and R2-D2 to complete his training. Later, Fett and Fennec travel to Jabba's palace on Tatooine where Fett kills Bib Fortuna and claims the throne. Holy shnikes, this episode was just like the best. This is the bet, in my opinion, in Brad's opinion, this is the best thing Star Wars has put out since the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, agreed. Agreed 100%. Should we just... Now, let's go in order. Let's go in order. Let's go in order. Boba Fett and Mando, they go to the planet where Bo-Katan and her fellow Mandalorians are. Where was the male Mandalorian? Why wasn't that third guy with the two of them? Uh, I, I like to think he was in the bathroom and it, you know, that, that they left without him a while to take off. <laughs> yeah. They left without him. Yeah. And then there's a well, deleted he, he scene pee and he's getting his cod peed off yeah. and you just can't, you know, pee in that armor. Yeah. I, why they don't build like a flap into those things. Uh, I'll never know. Cause sometimes, sometimes you got to go when you got to go. And you can't afford to spend, you know, 21 minutes uh, peeling all that stuff off, right? That That's why the, the Mandalorian Empire fell, was because they, they refused to build in flaps. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with stormtroopers. They're no better. You know, again, this is a bipartisan issue here. Uh, there's just plenty of blame to go around on all sides. So, I just, I've never understood any of that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hell, that goes all the way back to, you know, did knights in the Dark Ages, did they have, like, little flaps and stuff? Actually, Bill, funny you say that. So uh, I saw a picture of some armor, and one of it specifically had a pee hole cut out, but it was cut out like a soda can a little bit. Oh. And, it, and there was a little kind of flap that went up. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's right where the junk is. And and you got to feel that that whoever had that armor was kind of go was kind of telling the blacksmith, hey, go ahead and just, you know, go ahead and make it big. Yeah, yeah, I'm just just in case, you know, just, just you know, just let the ladies know. Just the size, okay. No, I mean, I think we, I think we'd all ask for that, right? <laughs> I like to, I like to think there was a deleted scene from this episode where that Mandalorian, the male Mandalorian, comes back out and he goes. Hey, uh, where is everybody? He goes, ah, not again. Uh, <laughs> and you get one of those. Exactly. Is that what you were looking for? Yeah, the you, whole time you, you guys were talking, you, I'm like, I'm programming it. I'm programming this. <laughs> not again. And he puts his hands on his hips. Hmm. And then the uh, studio audience goes, oh. I don't That's have that awesome. one. 
Yeah. Okay, oh, but we oh, get the, the or this one here. Not again. That's the one I want to hear. Yeah. It's the uh, <laughs> he just missed a roper turn to the camera. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. Roper nice. would make a joke and he'd turn and do one of those head nods and a smile. That was the best. <laughs> I like the um that other girl Mandalore Mandalorian and Boba Fett going at it a little bit. He almost got his ass whooped by this youngster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it uh, uh, Sasha Banks, right? Who yeah, was yeah. In life, like, uh, like uh, she's a uh, WWE, right? Yeah, I think. Well, I think she was. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was. I want to say WWE, not uh, like uh, MMA. But mm-hmm. uh, um, for purposes of the discussion, can we? Can we lump uh, those professional fighter athlete types in? Sure. Uh, uh, you put her and uh, Gina Carano, you know, come from the same basic world sure. where yeah. they were professional fighting, flying athletes. They um, may not like that, but they're not here. <laughs> right. That woman also does a cool little jetpack move to give yeah. her some momentum. And it's, it's yeah. a small little thrust. That isn't a big deal, but it just kind of yeah. gives her a little bit of an edge. It, it's a nice, very nice move. There's a real... like, uh, I'm, I'm with you. It's like a Pacific Rim when they op, when they uh, they activate the uh, the elbow jet. There you go. You know more yes. uh, more torque. God, you just you love stuff like that. It's like <laughs> oh, what? nobody think of that before. <laughs> it's so satisfying to the audience. <laughs> There's a nice moment here where the the girls are sitting down and Boba Fett's speaks and the Mandalorians turn especially Bo-Katan she turns and does one of these like I know that voice because she was all around all the clone troopers a lot in um in the Clone Wars series where we first meet Bo-Katan she's like you're not a real Mandalorian and then he says my father and he goes oh you mean your donor she knows all about Jango Fett and the clones Mm -hmm. and all that huh I thought that was a real nice moment. <clears throat> so they all g- agree to play nice. And they all uh, get together and they, they do that that fake attack where they come out of hyperspace and Boba Fett's ship is chasing the shuttle and the shuttle gets to land on the thing and then they all go looking for... He goes looking for the kid. She goes looking for the moth because she wants the Darksaber. And then we have, you know, I'm scrolling through. The Dark Sabers are awesome. I mean, the uh, Dark Troopers are awesome. During during the attack on on the light cruiser, there is a uh, uh, there's a real chick power oh, yeah, scene just, where yeah. uh, uh, where they're attacking the troopers and stuff. And it's well, just it's, uh, the four, it's the four women walking together. Yeah, just um, the Mandalorians are in the in the lead here, and then Fennec and and uh Cara Dune are behind him and she goes ah eh, cover me and they turn around and they cover the the Mandalorians cover their flank and the two of them walk forward just picking off stormtroopers left and right yeah it's yeah. it's pretty cool you know it's uh it's just one of those moments that you know maybe 20 years ago uh uh you wouldn't see something like mm. that but now uh you know it, it it was a cool moment yeah that whole that whole scene is great and fennec shand ming na wen she's such a great action star oh i love her so much she's such a great action star 
and she's great. I mean, she could have just picked off all those people, but no, she had to do a little martial arts moves on each one of them and then kill them. <laughs> I want to prove that I'm better than you. I'm going to knock you Stop. down with my fists and my feet, and then I'm going to shoot you in the face. Yeah. I um, I wonder if they're they're doing this on purpose, but uh, I, I couldn't help but notice there were a couple times in this episode where they'd have two stormtroopers uh, running next to each other. Uh, the regular, not the not the dangerous uh, uh, robot ones, but the ones with humans in them. And I noticed that it seems like every time they showed two stormtroopers side by side, one was clearly like six inches taller than the other. I mean, they weren't even close to the same height. And I kept wondering, <laughs> is that on purpose? Or are you trying to like reiterate to the audience that these aren't all uh, uh, Django Fett clones or something? You know, it's just like I, I was trying to figure out if there was. You know, if there's any any kind of Easter eggy reason why they would do that, I don't know. It's a good it's a good thought. I never thought of that. Yeah, and yeah, these uh these ladies, uh, this is uh, this girl power likes we have not seen since uh, Osei Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah, but, I was reminded of that scene too, but this one was a little more. I don't know. Satisfying. It makes me wonder how uh, you know were they trying? You know, or, I mean. I think they were trying to be obvious about it, but uh, uh, how much did it mean to them that this had to be, you know, the the the, the four ladies with no no dudes helping? Uh, and you know, I'm I'm down with that. You know, I'm I'm a believer in a meritocracy, and, and those four ladies could do the job, and so that's awesome. Uh, I I have no reservations in any way about seeing something like that. It does kind of surprise me that you know something like that. You know, like you're referencing the the shot. You know, a couple of minutes before that, where Kara and Fennec are, are doing the marching, it's just like it. It kind of comes to mind, and I wonder to myself, you know, you know, is this this truly is kind of a new thing where you don't have dudes around to help or absorb bullets or be the savior or whatever? You know, it's it's. It doesn't seem to me. I, I don't. I, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to fix this up. But <laughs> What's sorry, that, that music that music started cutting cutting into you, I, Bill. I, I apologize. I Brad, yeah, I, I thought Brad was probably trying to play me off or something. No, no, no. Uh, no. I just is it important that you're seeing scenes where it's all ladies and girl power and yes. you don't have anything to do with it? Um, you know, is this intended to be a hey? This is uh, this is this is the future, you know, and uh, get used to it where ladies are, can be just as empowered as dudes. And A, uh, completely agree. Um, uh, but it just, it seems odd to me that, that they have to make it obvious that, hey, this is a, a this is a different thing. You know, uh, well, you know it's all, all ladies. Here. Here's the thing. Well, I, I think it's obvious to us as guys our age because uh, we normally wouldn't see something like that. But uh, people who, you know, maybe are in their 20s, this is the norm. I think yeah, it seems very normal to me. And I think that's part of my part of the reason why I just I can't get the thought out of my head is that is that is that this well this should be normal why isn't it normal I guess well, um, yeah, well it's just oh my goodness there goes my phone um, oh that was neat yeah, that was neat looking there, uh, there's no that was a that was a pretty cool uh, it yeah. was a martial arts move my phone just made there you can see right up your nose it's a whack um, I think it's Not only obvious because up there it's become such a. Uh, talked about thing in in current times you know I, yeah. I think if if there wasn't a quote-unquote move to make women the stars of things or 
to display that they can be just as badass as men. I don't think if that was been, how do I say this? If it's know, been championed, right? I don't think if it had been, if it had hadn't been championed in social media and made such an uh, an aware topic of conversation or that it needs to happen, I don't think that we would have gone. Hey, there's all four women. Look at how great they're going. Right. We would have just said these characters are kicking butt right now, and it's awesome. I know. I I, I guess that's kind of my thing. Is I, I wish we lived in a world where it wasn't noteworthy, or it was just it was just hey, they're kick ass as yeah, well. Exactly. It doesn't well, matter, uh, yeah, and and right? uh, you know we're we're getting there. I mean, remember, not even a hundred years ago, women were given the right to vote for the first right. time. That's a hundred years ago. So I mean, we're still making progress and episode. stuff. And so say maybe, that again, Bill. You, I'm sorry, I was talking over Frank. I'm we bad. Need, well, no, we need to get you a real microphone instead of those earbuds. That's the problem. Well, well I tried to I tried to use my uh, laptop to sign in uh, this morning, and um, uh, do I need to come th- over there and fix all your tech problems? <laughs> no, I don't have tech problems, but I uh, think you do. But five you know, minutes before we're going to start taping, I log on to my my computer which I've used for this a number of times and I forgot my freaking password. And so I go and look it up and apparently the password I've got written down is not the current one. So it's like, well, I know I can do the thing on my phone, you know, and I'm just going to do that now. And I didn't want to change my Skype password because then it would change on the phone too. And I just didn't want to deal with it. So okay. I'll get to it. So it's, <laughs> it's a very sad moment, but yes, if I was on my laptop, I would have a, a more robust set of, uh, uh, headphone and microphone uh, uh, gear. So, apologies for that. No worries. We yes. got a really a bunch of really cool scenes where the dark troopers wake up and they're moving in synchronicity. It's really sweet. They're scary. He, and then he gets to fight one of them. Oh, there's that one shot where the the dark trooper is holding Mando up against the wall and just punching his face, <laughs> just punching his helmet, his helmet, yeah. just boom, boom, and his helmet never moves it never crinkles it never wrinkles it never there's no dents in it but the the ship's hull behind him the walls are just caving in that's how strong beskar is that if if any if if the dark troop was doing that to any other helmet that wasn't yeah a mandalorian beskar helmet then in one maybe two punches tops uh that helmet would be flat from front to back and that and that uh, that inhabited skull would be basically turned into spaghetti sauce. I would so, like, I would, um, I would like to have seen later in the episode when he takes his helmet off. I would like to have seen either a black eye or maybe some dried blood coming out of his nose. Some because blood you, would have been really nice. You know, his face took a beating regardless, smashing well, I mean, up against the up against the inside of the helmet. I mean, we all know Beskar is made out of vibranium, so I'm sure it wasn't an issue. <laughs> It's just fine. Uh, it it would have been great if they had added a, a little owl after each punch. Like, yeah. ow, yeah. ow, ow. Stop it. Ow. Hey, not nice. <laughs> Quit it. Hey, yeah, it's stop very, jerk. Simpsons. <laughs> owl, stop yeah. it. Owl, stop it. Owl, yeah. stop it. <laughs> stop pummeling me. Yeah. Uh, uh. Ooh. Uh, Okay. What did Alexa just tell you? She just issued a National Weather Service a severe sun- thunderstorm warning for my area. Yeah, it's supposed to rain big time today. Did you hear yeah. that? It goes boom, boom. Did you hear it? Yeah. 
here in a couple hours it's supposed to be raining pretty good light yeah so the the female crew makes it onto the bridge and they're like where's gideon where's moff gideon and then we find out isn't it then we find out he's holding the child in the room that he we saw him in last episode mando makes it into the room and they have a conversation about uh, Bo-Katan just wants, she wants the Darksaber. She can take Mandalore back if she has this. And he, Mando's like, I just want the kid. You can keep the Darksaber. I don't care. Keep the Darksaber. Just give me the kid. And he's like, all right, cool. I see your bond with this ch- child. Go ahead and take him. He puts the Darksaber away. And then Mando leans down to take the cuffs off of the child and then Gideon fires up the Darksaber again and then they have this awesome Beskar versus Darksaber fight. <laughs> oh, yes. I was uh, I, I was surprised that, that Mando kind of like when he goes, oh, okay, you can have the child. And so, you know, they're looking at each other and stuff, but I would have thought Mando would have been a little more suspicious, you know. <laughs> he kind yeah. of took he kind of took Moff Gideon for his word there. Yeah, you know? I would have said something like, st- "Just step over in the corner where I can yeah. back up where I can see you." You know. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and he and finally. Is, uh, go ahead, Bill. At the end of the scene uh, is one of the places where me not having been a, uh, a Clone Wars slash Rebels watcher. Uh, this scene doesn't have the emotional impact on me that I'm sure it had on everybody else as, as uh, Mando does defeat uh, Moff Gideon. And you find out that apparently Moff Gideon doesn't have any like hidden Sith powers or anything. He's just a dude with a sweet, uh, with a sweet lightsaber. And uh, when he escorts Moff Gideon into the bridge, um, the, the look on Bo-Katan's face as... He's walking in. Moff Gideon's in handcuffs, and the Mando is is uh, swinging around the dark saber. <laughs> Mando's just like, okay, uh, this uh, this is you know mission done, and uh, here you go. And you know, the the look on her face, you know, becomes increasingly more grave. And as as that's happening, Moff Gideon just starts smiling because he knows exactly what's happened this whole time. And so does she. The, the Mando, unfortunately, is the one person in the room who's not in on the joke that, uh, hey, guess what? Uh, the person who defeats Moff Gideon and takes the Darksaber, yeah, that's the King of Mandalore. Well, or, here's the I, thing, I, Bill. I, 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 and, and I love how, how Mando kind of goes, you know, when they explain the rule, he goes, yes. okay, well, then I, I yield it to you. <laughs> Please, just take just, it. He, he, he hands it to her. It's like... <laughs> Here's, oh, I feel so bad for her. Here's the problem with the way they did this. Yes. The problem is that in the Clone Wars cartoon, she was given the Darksaber. She didn't kill anybody for it. Okay. Whoever had it gave it to her because they recognized her as the, the true leader of Mandalore, blah, blah, blah. So she didn't kill anybody huh. with it. And now in this episode, we get the backstory that, no, you have to... I'm going to kill the music. You have to kill somebody and take it. That then and only then is the dark saber rightfully yours. And then can you be only then can you be considered the the rightful ruler of Mandalore? So there were a lot of discussions online about why it didn't happen that way in the Clone Wars cartoon. And it's a, is it a continuity problem? Is it a, a mistake? Um, I have yet to hear 
a good explanation for it, but huh. okay, yeah, they they definitely that that rule bill uh, you learn at the same time as everyone else did. Uh, so even if you had seen uh, um, Clone Wars and Rebels, that's just a new rule. Oh, okay. Um, I don't uh, oh, yeah, it wasn't. I beg your pardon. It was. Um, it was. Uh, hang on. Did she get? Did she get the dark saber in the Clone Wars, or was it Rebels? I thought it was the I think Clone it was Wars. Rebels, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. She, I think it's Clone Wars, and she still has it during Rebels. Yeah, maybe that's. And it. then okay. at the end of Rebels, she loses it to Grand Admiral Thrawn, if I remember correctly. Bomber. The point is, oh. at the end of Rebels, it was not in her possession anymore, regardless yeah. of who took it. Gideon wasn't in Rebels. So it must have it must have been thrown it must have been on his ship or somebody took it or I don't know whoever it was she at the end of rebels she was no longer in possession of the dark saber so we're watching it and we hear this story about he's like she has to kill somebody to take it so it doesn't jive with what we had known previously and I have yet to hear any um reasonable explanation but i'm at the point now in the age now in the temperament of i'll just enjoy the story and i I don't care anymore that oh she didn't have to kill anybody then but this is the way it is now cool i'm good that's a minor detail as far as i'm concerned so they're discussing this and then all of a sudden they get notification that they're being boarded somebody's breached the shield the dark troopers have swam their way back to the ship from the vacuum of space Yes. And he's like, haha. He starts smiling. He's like, you guys are in for it now. You dealt <laughs> with one barely. How are you going to do against a whole squadron? You guys are dead. The only people that aren't going to be dead when this is all over is me and the kid. You guys are screwed. <laughs> it reminds me of Bruce Banner at the end of uh, one of the Avengers movies when they're fighting and the, somebody shows up. I guess I think it, maybe it might be Captain Marvel showing up or whatever, and Bruce Banner pops the head off, and he goes, "You guys are so screwed now." <laughs> That's what that reminds me of his the yeah. way he was thinking, you know. And so they're pump they're punching at the door, and everybody's standing there with their guns out, and Bing 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 beep 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 beep. Oh, good one X wing, we're saved. Yeah. So at this point, this is where we start to break it down. I am ashamed (laughs) that I never once, ever once considered that this could have been Luke Skywalker. Oh, no. Never, not once. I was in denial until one scene that I'll detail here in a couple minutes. Okay, this is a Jedi. Come, We know it's a Jedi because as soon as the X-Wing lands, Grogu stops and he turns and his ears perk up. You could tell that Grogu senses something. So we know now this is a Jedi. Then we see the lightsaber in black and white on one of the security monitors. Uh, It's a Jedi for sure. Bo-Katan even says it out loud. It's a Jedi. Who is it? What Jedi? This is my thought process. Okay. It either is Ahsoka, but it's probably not her. This is, it might be Ezra Bridger from, from 
Rebels, Bill, he yes, he was last seen in the clutches of Grand Admiral Thrawn, but it okay. could have been it could so you know eight years ish, eight or nine years has passed since the end of Rebels to what we've got now. So it could have been it could be Ezra Bridger, it could be somebody we don't know, a brand new a brand new Jedi. Holy crap! It's a green lightsaber. Oh my gosh! Still in my head, not Luke. Can't be. Disney wouldn't be that stupid to try something like this. <laughs> Disney would not. They are smarter than this. And then I see the black glove, and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's not Luke. Yeah, Luke had a black glove, but then I see his other hand. It's gloveless. It's a white hand. Black glove, white hand. No, no, can't be. It can't be. Is it? Up to the moment he pulls his hood back, I was like, it's not Luke. It is not Luke Skywalker. It is not Luke Skywalker. And then I screamed. I'm watching this at like 530 in the morning. The day it came out. And I've got neighbors below me and beside me. I may have woken somebody up at 5.30 in the morning. Both hands go up. I'm screaming. How did you guys react? When did, when did you start considering that it could have been Luke Skywalker? I would... Uh, I'll go first. I would say I... I think when I saw the X-Wing, I was pretty convinced I, I knew it was going to be Luke. Um... So I, I like it, it was a surprise uh, uh, when, when I saw that X-Wing and, you know, when he comes on and lights his lightsaber, then it's confirmed for me. So so I was pretty much on board with it. I think my anticipation was how are they going to handle his face, which we get to later. But uh, but I, I was pretty much on board that it, it was Luke when I saw the X-Wing. Bill? Nice. Um, I, I don't. Um, I would probably explain this better if I was if we were doing this podcast minutes after I'd watched the episode. But the uh, the episode builds dramatically so amazingly well. It's so claustrophobic. Uh, I just did you know you. You have these moments where, uh, okay, you know, uh, okay, we got to keep, uh, um, we got to keep Moff Gideon from activating the dark troopers. Oh crud. He did it. They're waking up. We're screwed. Okay. Uh, wow. Hey, Mandalorian, uh, was able to blow, uh, all but one of them out into space. Okay, cool. Problem solved. Okay. Next issue. Um, you know, uh, now we got to advance the ship. Uh, oh crud. Now the dark stormtroopers are coming back. Okay. Uh, um, now we've got Moff Gideon and the, the bridge. Oh, geez. Now we're trapped on the bridge. The dark troopers are trying to break in and there's really no way out. You know, there's literally no way out. We, we can't get to a ship and escape. Um, you know, we can't defeat one of these, much less a small army of them. Uh, they're going to be busted through the door here in, in, in minutes, if not seconds. And we're just completely hosed. And out of, out of that, you know, as, as, you know, the air is getting thicker and thicker and, and, and more oppressive. All of a sudden, you know, off to port, you look out the, the window and you see an X-Wing fly in. And your first thought 
is um, uh, your first thought is um, uh, uh, sorry. Um, so your first thought is it's the it's the two X-wing fighters from earlier in the season who become kind of uh, Mando's little buddies. Um, although, wait, he, they wouldn't recognize uh, the Slave One ship as being Mando's. So, uh, okay, so that's not it. Oh, and there's not a second one, so that's not it. And so you're trying to figure out who it might be. And Brad, you went through some of the uh, some of the suspects, and um, uh, those all made sense. But I started getting nervous because I had the same feeling uh, when when Slave One first appears uh, on the planet uh, where Grogu is trying to contact you know, other Force users, um, the, the ship comes down through the atmosphere and you see that, that real long shot of it. And I look over at Mike, who I'm watching the episode with, Buddy Mike, and I go, dude, that's Slave One. And Mike's eyes get real big. And he's like, huh? And I had that same, holy crap, that's, that's the freaking that's freaking red five, you know, that that's, you know, that's freaking Luke. And, but you don't know it. And then he gets onto the ship and, you know, you see the cloak and then you see the lightsaber and then you see the way he dispenses the dark troopers. And then you see, you know, him get to the freaking bridge and then you see the reveal. And I spent five minutes where I don't know that I have ever spent five minutes like that watching TV before in my life. There was an episode of Babylon 5, I, I can tell you, called Severed Dreams, where I had a minor version of this. But I almost had kittens uh, <laughs> while this was happening. I have never in my life been as affected and nervous and jittery waiting for the conclusion of this scene as I was right then and there. Um, and for the payoff to be what we hoped it would be, um, what an, I mean, what an amazing moment! And uh, uh, the the kind of moment that you know, if, if Star Wars is a property that needs saving, that's the kind of moment that does it. And I don't want to get into all the the Ryan Johnson, you know, Luke Skywalker, uh, you know. I don't want to get into all that stuff because I'm sure that's been hashed out plenty of times on plenty of forums. Everybody knows what's up, but for Luke to get that opportunity, for Mark Hamill to get that opportunity to play that version of Luke um, was just a stand up and clap of the highest order. Uh, what, what a redemption and what an amazing triumphant moment and probably one of my favorite moments in television history. But other than that, it was okay. I might have teared up a bit when he pulled his hood yeah, back. Yeah, that I I definitely had a, an emotional, a positive emotional reaction. Like, whoa! Mm-hmm. Let's talk about. But I was physically, I was physically jittering sure. and nerve. Sure. Yeah, it was it was wild. Uh, the kids, um, uh, the kiddos were in the living room, and all three of us were watching it. I'm I'm. I'm the one curling into a ball. Yeah, on the of course. It was happening. The kids were were heavily into it too, um, but you know, not they don't have as much investment as you know people our age do. So I'm, I'm not sure it. how long I had my hands up like this. I have <laughs> yeah. no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, I'm sure I eventually would, I put my hands down, but yeah, I was about ninety percent of the way into the fetal position yeah, by yeah. the by, by the. By the reveal, <laughs> I watched. Let, let 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 me throw a what if out there. Okay. Okay. 
see how you guys would handle this. Yeah. Because this would kind of help with Rise of Skywalker, the movie. Okay. What if that had been Princess Leia? Uh, would have been awesome. If she had handled the Dark Troopers prior to that reveal, that would have been great. It would have been pretty cool, wouldn't it? I'm I think that, it would have been. If it, I'm glad that it wasn't Ezra Bridger or some some Jedi Knight that you have to be that you have to read the EU to to get. I'm I'm glad I'm glad it was Luke Skywalker. If it know? was Princess Leia, it would not have made any bit of sense, and I'll tell you why. Because in Rise of Skywalker, which has already been established before we saw this episode, we see Luke and Leia training. Mm-hmm. And then we see the moment when Leia decides, nope, not going to be a Jedi. Okay. That's when she gives it up right then and there. And for her to come back and be able to handle the dark troopers like this would not have made any sense. You know what? Now that you, now that you mentioned that, that, that does make more sense. Maybe if there maybe, was, imagine this, what if it was Luke and Leia and Leia was playing second fiddle? That'd be great. That would have been great. <laughs> Wouldn't it? That would have been great. A couple of stormtroopers over the non-guardrailed. Uh, that would have uh, been great. Edges. Yeah, yeah. The 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 Star Wars siblings. That's she could have never. She could have played cleanup. That would have yeah. been great. So let's talk about the face. I these are these are Brad's opinions. It was really good. It was not perfect. It was better than Leia and Tarkin from Rogue One. Oh, by a mile. It was very good. It was not perfect. The eyes were a bit lifeless. It's as close to perfect as we have seen. It was, so, I was stunned at how good and how real it looked. Yeah, it was really uh, good. I, I, mean, I, I I can't help but think that Lucasfilm and Marvel films must have two different teams, Agreed. two different engineers that work on this technology because the Marvel de-aging looks great. Marvel has the done Star it better. Wars stuff doesn't quite, just like you said, Brad, it's there, but it's Well, not. see, also, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The people that Marvel has had to de-age, the, the, the years that they've had to de-age them have been much smaller than the years that Star Wars would have had to de-age their current actors. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, this wasn't Mark Hamill delivering those lines. That was another actor, and Hamill just looped his lines in. Correct. Yeah. So, okay, and here's another thing. Why didn't they use deep fake technology, which, <laughs> which I'm convinced they did not. There's a YouTube channel I watch called Corridor Crew, and they are a couple of a handful. It's a little comp- small company, five, six, seven, eight, nine visual effects artists. They're very good. Okay. So very good. They took that scene and they used deep fake technology and redid it and made it look better. I, I, I see. I'm, I think where it's nitpicking of the highest order to say that it, it could have done better. I mean, uh, again, it's literally as close as I've ever seen to looking real, to looking truly real. Well, I'll send you 
the link to that video where they redid it, and you're going to go, oh, wow. I'm looking at a, a, a shot from this episode, mm-hmm. a still shot. Now, let me point yeah. it out. A still shot? Right. I would bet my next paycheck that that was footage of Mark Hamill from 30 years ago. You're talking about from the uh, this, this uh, deep fake? No, no, no. The the current episode of The Mandalorian that we're talking about. Okay, okay. I've got a still shot on my screen I right now. Really, He's I, not moving. I had it paused uh, on a on Luke's face uh, yeah. uh, the moment he takes his, his hood off. I left it paused there while we were taping for the last few minutes, and just I'd look up at it and go, "Good God, it looks like he's standing there. It yeah. looks like he's really standing there. It's uh, kind of kind of shocking." The thing that brings it down from that plateau for me just a bit is when he talks the the movement of his mouth and it's, yeah. it's very good. It is so close. It's the best we've seen in a Star Wars movie or property for sure and one way that they they do it uh that, that they help achieve that effect is that for the most part he doesn't move i mean he's not flipping you know this ain't the matrix he's not flipping around you know his face is not flipping around doing you know whirly whirls and cartwheels and whatever's and he's not fighting he's he's standing very still and so very little of his face has to be rendered you know over and over and over again um so they're they're minimizing, yeah, uh, the amount of of what they have to do to create a yeah. a de-aged um, uh, Luke Skywalker. And when he did move, it was very it was slowly and deliberately. Yeah. You know, yep. yep. I would uh, uh, I would hope that you know uh, George Lucas isn't in charge of this anymore. But you know, we we used to always rag on him for tinkering with his movies. Uh, I would be fine is with. If as if facial technology and uh, uncanny valley becomes smaller, like five years from now, they yeah. redo that scene so it looks a little more real. Right. I'll double down right now and say that they we will see a new version of this eventually. I would love to see them do that for Rogue One. Yep. Yeah, for all the properties. Because as much as I liked Rogue One, I'm not trying to start a fight with you, Brad. I'm not starting a fire. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, as much as I like Rogue One. Um, I, I still found it off putting and it took me really out of the movie. Uh, the times they showed Tarkin and Leia because both of them just looked like 100% CG dude. Yeah. I mean, Jar Jar Binks looked more natural, you know, I thought than, um, uh, than, than these two in rogue one. Uh, anyway, with that said, coming back to Luke Skywalker and how great it looked. Um, I, I do agree with you, Brad, that, uh, when he first shows up, the first reveal, when he's having the conversation with them, uh, it looks amazing. And the last couple of shots where he kind of, he kind of turns his head at an angle and he kind of, you know, he looks at Grogu and they have that moment, uh, that does look more CGIE than the initial shots. So it's not, it's not the best you've ever seen, almost imperceptible the entire way through. Um, but, um, my God, I, I, I applaud them for trying. They, 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 they did a, they did a great job and, uh, you know, maybe, um, like we just talked about, maybe in five years, they'll, they'll revisit that scene and just, uh, give it the, uh, the adjustments it needs. Right. Let's talk about the scene where Din Jaren picks up Grogu. He says, Okay. This is your, your guy. You got to go with him. And Grogu reaches up and touches the helmet. Aww. And then a couple seconds later, 
boom, he takes the helmet off right there in front of God and everybody. Now, if you look at that scene, uh, Brad, and he takes it off, watch Grogu. Grogu looks at like every sector of his yeah. face. Yeah. He really absorbs every Yeah, he's his eyes detail. are moving back and forth. Yeah, exactly. And it's super sweet. Yeah. It, 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 sweet is the only word I can give that. No, scene. it is. It's very sweet. His little hand reaches up and, and Din closes his eyes like, you know, it's very emotional. <laughs> yeah. It's very emotional. So here's, I have a nitpick with this, but he takes his helmet off and we never hear it drop to the floor. But then when he sets Grogu on the floor, his helmet's already there on the floor sitting there. Mm-hmm. That's just from a production standpoint, stuff. We're going to notice stuff like that, but yeah. But this scene is great. I mean, he's very, it's very, it's very emotional, very, you know, and M- Mando, Mando also says, I'm going to see you again. I promise. Yeah. Or something to that effect. Well, a lot of times, you know, adults will say things to kids to give them a sense of peace, even yes. though deep inside they may know that that may end up not being, you know, the outcome of the situation. Oh, yeah. And then we get to see friggin' R2-D2. He rolls in, beep, bop, boop. And that reminds me of, you know, the interaction that Yoda had with R2-D2. That's all great. Yeah. Well, yeah the- do, you think, do, you think, do you think R2 was was uh, was upset that it was like, oh, not another Yoda? No, I'm thinking he looks at him and he goes, holy shit, I know this guy. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I've seen somebody. Is this another one of those? That's what I'm thinking. It, it's in my head. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, you do feel the the emotional weight of the fact that you know this entire second season has been about delivering Grogu into the right hands, and for it to actually happen, it's like. But we were enjoying the journey, and now, and now we've got to freaking close the book, and now the book's over, and they might write a sequel to the book, but you know, there's always that that moment. Uh, I know I've referenced this a million times, but. Uh, uh, in in Doctor Who, in the Angels Take Manhattan episode of Doctor Who, you find out that he never reads the last page of a book because then the story would end. Yeah, I remember that. And he doesn't want that, and I I I feel that way about something like this, which, as you said earlier in the in this episode, uh, yeah, I I don't want this to end because this is. This is, you know, how do you say this without sounding hyperbolic, but, uh, or hyperbolic, uh, whichever you want. Um, but this is, this is the greatest Star Wars that we've gotten since Empire Strikes Back. I, I was, I was, I was punching the air when you said that because you took the word straight off of my tongue and, and, uh, I, I couldn't have agreed more. Um, it was just, just shocking how wonderful uh an experience the mandalorian has been so far and my god it's getting better and now we've got the obvious questions of where do they go from here well the the grogu story is over i think is it i well for the most part i think think it's i think it's logical i think it is but is it i hope so i hope it is i hope it's over because i want to see What's next? I want to see the possibility that he teams up with the Mandalorians and Bo-Katan and goes after Grand Admiral Thrawn. Holy crap, I want to see that so bad. You want, yeah. a, you want a sobering thought? Uh, buddy, but friend of the show, Buddy Mike, 
uh, has, has, uh, he looked at me uh, a couple months ago, one of the last times I was up there. Uh, it, was, it was just after uh, The Mandalorian had finished. I think we may have been talking about this episode. And he goes, he goes you realize that, that this, entire, this entire next phase, wave, whatever of Star Wars is going to be a Grogu you know, Star Wars universe. And that, okay, it took him 40, 50 years to tell the first you know, Star Wars story. Uh, we're not going to live to see the end of the Grogu story. We'll we'll, we'll be we'll be warm food before uh, before the Grogu story is completed. Like, I don't Dude, know, man. That man. I don't. I don't see <laughs> that happening at all. Uh, okay. Quick aside, but but along Bill's Bill's lines, when I was much younger and Return of the Jedi was coming out, but okay. you know we we were a couple months away. I had this this thought in my head. That's like, what if I die before I see it? I'll never know how the series ends. Yeah. I know. And I started to feel sorry for people who had died before the movie came out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, man, I'm, I've had those same thoughts, those same yeah. feelings. Uh, you know, and, and at my age now, you know, I've seen so much of the Star World, Star World's, Star Wars universe that, they will always expand. There will always be something else. Uh, yes. You know, maybe not in 10 years, but maybe in 20 years, 30 years, they will visit grown-up Groku uh, uh, being a Jedi. Who knows? There but, you go. Uh, but that, that universe, and that would you know, be- it, it, it could have ended with just Star Wars and New Hope, and that could have been it. And and but right. but uh, but it it became so much more and and we're gonna get the good we're gonna get the bad and this you is take the good you take the bad you take, you them, take both. them both and there you have yeah. the Star Wars universe the Star, the Star Wars, Wars universe. universe so based <laughs> on so Grogu leaves with Luke okay so what happens to Grogu who knows we may see him again we may not there is one character that apparently we're never going to see again. And that is Cara Dune. Because apparently Gina Carano's social media activity got her in some hot water. And this is not a discussion about what she said, her political beliefs, whether or not she was doing what she thought was right. We're never going to see that character again. And I'm disappointed because I really liked that character. Well, I, I would not count her out in that we may not see her in The Mandalorian, but uh, we may see her in books. We may see her in comic books. We may okay. see her in animated series. Maybe. Uh, I think that character is still going to live or maybe even be recast. But I think from a Mandalorian standpoint, uh, she's she's probably out. Yeah. I liked her character a lot. You know, she was tough. She didn't take any crap. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we uh, her, her introduction was was amazing. In that first episode, we meet her, yeah. and her and uh, and the Mandalorian have a have it have it out, and it's a draw. Yeah, <laughs> we have confirmation uh, that uh, uh, Favreau Filoni have no intention of recasting that role. They will create a new character. Because um, I didn't realize this um, that you know again, not having read every comic book, every every novel, uh, et cetera. Um, I did not realize that the character of Cara Dune was created for Gina Carano uh, by yeah. Fat Roni and by by the the, the F brothers. Um, so I, I didn't, you know, I just kind of assumed that you know any any K- 
character you hear of in a Star Wars property, you know, was first referenced somewhere else. You know, nothing is nothing is truly new. Although clearly, you know, at some point everything has to make its first appearance. I, yeah. I get that. Um, but to find out that that her character was created specifically for this for for that actress uh, for that actor is, uh, is, is pretty cool. So, you know, obviously they, you know, this is not a, a showstopper for them. They can create another character and or introduce it, and, you know, the, the bad bunch or Knights of the old Republic or whatever you got and, uh, move on from there. So, or is it Knights of the new Republic? Is that it? Knights of the old Republic. Well, that's previous history. What's the TV show? Uh, there's the bad bunch. Oh, you yeah. mean, um, Oh, the new series that they're going to do. Yes, because the whole point was this was a... Republic Commando. The Mandalorian was kind of a soft pilot for uh, for Cara Dune being in... Um, Rangers uh, of the New Republic? Rangers of the New Republic. There you go. Okay. No, it was, it was uh, a poorly, uh, uh, poorly kept secret that she was going to be, you know, that that was kind of going to be her show. Um, I hope we get a, to see the, um, <coughs> that X-Wing pilot, the Korean guy. Yeah. Dave and Ford. you know, we, we could also, I mean, you could, br- you could bring up Cara Dune's sister or cousin, right. uh, you know, her long, uh, long or, or her, or, or her, um, or, or someone she served with, you know, no, it should be her twin sister who they thought was lost in an accident when they were kids. They, they they could Tasha Yarrett and uh, bring in her sister. Oh, okay. And wow. uh, and then it, it turns out she's uh, uh, she's she's a baddie, not a goodie. Right. They should exactly. just move on from that character. And I mean, she her character was great. It's it's easily enough to explain away in story. You know. Yeah, she had a you good know? arc. She had a good arc. It, she it, she needs to get back to the planet that Grief Karg yeah. is on because she's got a job yeah. there and she helped she's and the sheriff of the town on that planet. Yeah. So she's back on that planet being sheriff. Yeah. And, and we don't need to mention we don't need to mention it again. That's that's a just a perfectly fine you know book ending for her. So one last uh, thing to talk about, then we can put this episode to rest. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about. Speaking of where the universe, the Star Wars universe is going. Uh, uh, well, I'm talking about one, the book of Boba Fett. We get one more little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, make sure you stay to the, uh, through the, uh, the end, the, uh, the mid, the mid end credit scene. Here's the that's tip the, when you're watching and in, in the credits, that's kind of mid early late. It's, it's not right. Not mid late. It's early <laughs> mid late. <laughs> In the credits sequence. Steve Martin reference. Um, but it's not dusk, so it's here's, cool. Here's the tip when you're watching streaming stuff. If the video at the credits remains full screen and doesn't shrink down so they can show you other titles you might like to watch, if it stays full yeah. screen, ah. continue to watch because there is something they want you to see. Well, Life. you know what? I, 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 I think I chalked that up to it being the final episode. And it not shrinking down, but you know, it would have shrunk down and go, may we suggest. Right. And then other things. Right. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I would have missed the, um, missed the, that end credit scene, uh, had either you not told, you told me Brad, or I saw it online that there was an end credit scene. Yeah. Uh, but I would have definitely bailed right at the, right. Yeah, at I'm, the end. I'm quick to do that too. Oh. I yeah. think the only reason I knew is because, I read it online. 
I had watched the episode. I know for a fact this is what happened. I watched the episode, credits hit, boom. I moved on. And then maybe an hour later, I looked on Facebook or whatever. And I was like, what? 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 And so I hopped back on and watched it. So Boba Fett goes back to Tatooine. He kills Bib Fortuna and takes the throne. I have to admit... Yes, he does with Fennec. I have to admit, I don't know what Boba Fett's motivation is. Does he just need a base of operations? I mean... So, I'm, let me jump in. He's I, not I, a criminal. Yeah, he's not a I, criminal. He, I can't imagine that he would want to take over Jabba the Hutt's... Well, Bib Fortuna is at this point criminal empire. I can't... Yeah. Imagine that he would want to do that. And by the so way, in, in my not a little weight. Yeah. He's not as <laughs> not as svelte and good looking as he used to be. Um, no. I I think this was closure for Fett in that he just wanted to close the book on the Hut Empire. And he did it. And now he's just sitting down and he's gonna think, what next? He's not a gangster. He he's he, you know he's he's chaotic neutral. Is that it? You know he's mm-hmm. uh, nice. Um, <clears throat> he is going to. Uh, he just wanted to close the book on his chapter on on the hut chapter. He's done, and now he can have his adventures. Well, we're going to get a series in December called the Book of Boba Fett, and I, and also you know we were wondering if. There was a lot of discussion. Okay, is the Book of Boba Fett, is that season three of The Mandalorian? No, it turns out it's its own show. It's going to be two separate stories. And there are have been a slew of Star Wars series announced. A lot of them have been described as limited series, like maybe one season. But I'd be super surprised if the Book of Boba Fett ended up being only one season. I mean, it's Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Unless Tamir Morrison says, eh, I got 10 episodes in me, then I'm done. And, you know, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe that's the case. I mean, we, we don't know. We have to see how the story develops and, you know, if it's worthy of even going on. I mean, I'd like to think it is, of course, but, but you never know until these things, things are completed. I guess that's true. We're entering into a new age where you just, you assume because we've watched TV our lot, our entire lives, but you just assume that, well, if they come out with season one, then clearly season two is something they want to do. And only now are we getting to the point where now they're kind of, you know, the idea that a show may only be eight, 10, 12 episodes, maybe one season, and then it's done. And that's the plan from the beginning is a really new concept. Um, I think we're, uh, we're getting that with, um, uh, with something that we're going to talk about, um, in an upcoming episode uh, called WandaVision. Um, it, it is refreshing in that it, it doesn't, it doesn't force a series to go on longer than it needs to. We, we all have those series like uh, uh, friends, you know, that went on for 10 years. I think a lot of people think it should have ended a lot sooner because <laughs> it was, it was definitely a paycheck for, for everyone involved. Okay. Uh, so, you know, but, to have a series just like, hey, this is a story, you know, we're going to take it to this point, and uh, you know, unless there's huge demand, this is it. We're going to do, we're going to do our limited run, and that's it. 
yeah, I just I, I find it really cool that that you've got a universe well developed enough that it's like we're gonna we're gonna give you like uh, this is this is a single book. You know, this is what you're going to get. The book has 12 chapters in it or whatever, so please enjoy them. Um, but this is the story. And then we're done with the story. It's not a trilogy. It's a single book. You know, it's not intended to be a trilogy or, God forbid, a five or seven part, you know, set. Um, it's not intended for the uh, the son of the uh, the original author to come in and, and write, you know, six more books, you know, about it or whatever. It's just, no, this, this is what you got, boys. We're, we're giving you this this single story, and then this character will appear in other adventures, but this is this is the one story that we're telling about it. Um, it's almost a, a comic booky thing in uh, the f- semi-recent phenomenon where uh, comic books are... are restarting some of their characters uh over you know damn near yearly you know you're, you're getting a, a you know back in the old days you'd get a, a single you know you get a number one issue because well we're trying to we're trying to bump sales up and uh you know we're 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 kind of doing desperate things but now it's almost a, a plan um uh grant i don't want to tangent too hard here but uh um grant morrison who is writing uh, the green lantern uh, for the last uh, two, three uh, years or seasons, as he calls them, um, he had uh, uh, one season of Green Lantern, which was what, 10, 12 issues long. And then that ended. And then the second so called season was not Green Lantern, it was Dark Stars because Green Lantern had joined the Dark Stars and they had basically, you know, overtaken the the lanterns as the the galactic peacekeepers and now it's back to so you're starting to see things handled in in more smaller uh, chunks again not everything is intended to be open-ended anymore and i think that's a a really cool development um it's sad for the for those of us who are desperate to see more about a particular character but you know, we'll see them in the the team up movie, or they'll make appearances, or maybe we'll do another season of this character. You know, two or three years down the line, uh, you know, telling a different story. You know, uh, it doesn't mean that we're losing the characters, but it means that we're done with this for now. So we all just kind of get to live with it. Um, and it does make you wonder if the Mandalorian season three, season four, etc., is going to feel like a different show. You know, have they? Have they closed the book on this? Um, because it's 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 not called the final chapter. It's called Chapter Sixteen: The Rescue. That's the that's the title of this episode. And you know, so you know, how smoothly do they intend to continue the Mandalorian's uh, adventures? Um, I don't know. Interesting. Uh, I think uh, I can't wait to find out. Uh, it is too bad. Um, you know, this is a, a certainly a, a gilded cage to find yourself in. But we're not going to see more of the Mandalorian. We won't see season three uh, until they are done with uh, the book of Fett. And at that point, uh, we may get Mandalorian season three. Hopefully, and I haven't read up on this because I'm bad. Um, hopefully, they're going to start production, you know, on season three, you know, in the next few weeks or months or whatever, and start getting it ready, you know, for release. Uh, um, uh, one of the things that people online said was they, they thought it was really cool how uh, for the last two years we've basically been able to look forward to Mandalorian right around the holidays. And that's not going to happen this year because uh, the Book of Fett's going to be released 
uh, this fall. Uh, do we know? Do we know if it's going to be September or December? Or? Uh, December. This, they've already announced. In fact, at the end of the episode, it says December twenty-one. Okay. Okay. So the Book of Fett is going to essentially take the place of the Mandalorian for the year twenty twenty one. So heaven forbid that means we have to wait to the end of the year twenty twenty two to get more Mandalorian. I don't think anybody can stand that idea. Um, uh, I, I wonder how uh, this is going to handle it. And I, I wish I had a, a really strong opinion uh, slash point on uh, what I was saying. So um, I think I'm good now. But I'm still curious. Uh, how uh, uh, how long is this episode, Brad? Yeah, we're about three hours into this episode. <laughs> we're uh, this up five pieces and be good. About a minute, and, uh, an hour and forty minutes. <clears throat> but it was oh, well well deserved. Um, yeah. Just a button on your point. I think Ahsoka has been described as a one season show, and I believe uh, Obi Wan Kenobi was also described as a one season show. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. All right. Well, guys, that ends our discussion on the Mandalorian. And uh, like Bill said, we have to wait a very long time before we can do this again. But I'm sure we'll do this with the Book of Boba Fett. Why not? Thus endeth the Mandalorian. That is, if the three of us are still talking by then. I know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can't imagine a world where I didn't talk to you guys. I mean, just because we disagree on WandaVision doesn't mean we should have the show. Well. Uh, our listeners will have to wait only one week to hear us talk about WandaVision. I think we agree a lot about different things about WandaVision, and then I, I know for a fact that we disagree on some things. But that'll be an interesting yeah. episode, and we'll get to that next week. No way, dude. Okay, well, in that case, you've been listening to Half Hour Wasted, proud member of the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Send your questions and comments to halfhourwasted at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at Half Hour Wasted. Leave us or any of the HHW LOD shows a voicemail at 469 298 9739. Or a great way to remember that is Go Wax Type 9. Until next week, I'm Frank. I'm Brad. And I'm DHCGI Bill. And we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted. And you will have mouse.